welcome to the Lift As You Climb podcast, where it's all about the journey and the joy to discovering who you are now and deciding who you want to become and embracing your genuine identity, influence, and impact. In each episode, we'll explore how life's experiences have prepared us for what we choose to do next and how to create our encore, write our own script, and star in the next stage of our lives. I'm your host, your next business strategist and transformation catalyst, Isabel Banerjee. Welcome back, my friends in the Lift As You Climb community. It's another stellar occasion to celebrate together because I have the extreme pleasure to be interviewing, to talking and meeting her virtually for the first time, Ashton Applewhite. Ashton has been a very, very big part of my evolution, even though she wasn't aware of it. In the 10 years that I have been struggling to figure out who the hell am I and the evolutionary journey that's taken me to be an author and to create an online program and now to be a podcaster. She was often in my ears and in my eyes and in my thoughts. So today I'd like to say welcome to Ashton Applewhite. If you don't already know who she is, she is the author of This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism. And this is one sassy piece of literature. It is irreverent, it's true, it's filled with all kinds of facts and inspirations. And slam on the brakes because you're going to give yourself a little check. I believe you will, I did, about, wait a minute, why did I believe that? Why have I been accepting that that was the truth in my life? I have never been the right age, according to the script provided by society in my life. I was a mom at 16. I couldn't legally vote, drink, or drive, but I was having to be self-sufficient and financially independent. All my life, I seemed to either be ahead of the curve or behind it. So I'm really, really glad now that I can just say to hell with that I'm making up my own rules about what it feels to be me at this age and what I want to do. Ashton, I would love if you would set the scene for us a little bit about how the hell you came to this place of writing this manifesto or womanifesto, as I would like to say, and why the work continues, it's not done yet, right? Those are two questions. So how about I tackle the first one in the middle of which I will forget the second part so you can remind me. All right. There wasn't some blinding moment of awareness for me because I am not terribly self-aware and I tend to sort of muddle my way into things and then only looking back does it occur to me that to have some grasp of the process I just went through. But I started writing and thinking about aging in my mid-50s, which was 15 years ago now, because I was afraid of getting old and being sort of a nerdy, I'm not an academic, I'm not a researcher, but I am thinky and my way into things is to look stuff up 
look and see what the science says, what the popular press says. And in a matter of months, if not weeks, I came across the data points that I started my TED Talk out with a decade later, that older people have better mental health than the young or middle-aged. The minuscule percentage of Americans over 65 in nursing homes, it was four and a half at that point, it's down to two. The fact that dementia rates are diminishing and on and on and on. And I did the same thing as you, Isabel. I just smacked my forehead and thought, why don't we know this stuff? And I became obsessed with that. Why is our vision of late life so much grimmer than the reality all around us? I am not a positive aging Pollyanna. There are lots of legitimate things to worry about, about getting older and moving through life, but we never hear the other side of the story. Our fears are way out of proportion to reality. Those fears are bad for us individually and collectively. Thank you. I was particularly surprised at the statistic that now it's only 2%. I've even heard 1%. Oh, really? When I managed to run the numbers, I'm not all that good at math, but I finally just went back and extrapolated from the data from the U.S. Census Department, et cetera. And there was more data after COVID and I got 2%. That is, again, of the population of Americans over 65 in nursing homes, not all senior living, but nursing homes. Right. Which is completely opposite to the expectation I have. In fact, one of my talking points is my life set me up. I was prepared by the script in North America as an adult to reach an age of obsolescence. And then that I would just simply fall off a cliff. I wouldn't have any impact. I wouldn't have any relevance anymore. And when I got closer to that cliff, I went, I am not going there's something wrong with this. There must be a different story. Thank you, because you're telling the story about why we were set up to expect to conform in certain ways that are not beneficial for society. Especially women. Especially women. You're right. I am not my mother or my grandmother I just don't fit into that profile. And why should I? Because that's the whole point for me of lifting and climbing. I know that myself, yourself, our peers have so much that we can contribute and the impact that we can have yet for decades and decades if we continue to do so. We're lucky. We are. And that is true. I feel extremely fortunate that I am quite healthy physically. I have no major limitations around my physical abilities, other than the fact that I don't get off the couch often enough to be as supple as I say I would like to be. But my brain works and my heart works and my ambition works. And like you, I have a curious brain. And so I want to keep on learning. Curiosity helps. Curiosity definitely helps. And I think perhaps that's one of the ways we can really shatter this ageism is being curious and asking questions about why, 
why were we told that? Why were we set up to expect that? And why don't we present a different side of what is possible? There's a scholar named Amos Wilson who says, if you want to understand any problem in America, don't look at who suffers from it. Look at who profits from it. Yep. Who profits from our fears? Who profits when we're squabbling about who looks younger or whether everything is old people's fault or everything is young people's fault? Episode two ago on the podcast was the We Fix You Industries and how I am now examining how subversive they are in their marketing to me to convince me that I'm not enough. Satisfaction doesn't sell. No one makes any money off it. That's why the six o'clock news is gory and bloody. Okay. I did ask you two questions. The other question was, what is the work yet to be done? How do we advance this enlightenment? What we need to change the role of older people in society primarily, although I want to say that ageism is any judgment about a person or a group of people on the basis of age. And younger people do experience a lot of it. Quips like kids today to reduce it to the minimum that's an ageist judgment as well. But we do live in a youth-obsessed society, and older people do bear the brunt of it. We need a grassroots movement like the women's movement. Think what that did to revolutionize the voice and visibility of women around the world. And we need an anti-ageism movement on the same scale. I would never presume to tell anyone what to join One very good piece of advice I got when writing my book was don't use the word should. The world would be intolerable if it were full of activists, but all change starts within as the saying goes. So the first hardest, most unpleasant, most necessary task is for each of us to look at our own attitudes towards age and aging, because each of us is biased. We grow up barraged by messages, starting with children's books and Disney movies, about how awful it is to get old, how tragic it is to encounter any form of disability. And that becomes part of our identity, unless we do really hard work to question where these beliefs come from and what purpose they serve. Even if that's all you do, and I'm putting giant air quotes around the all because it is the hardest task of all, is to look at your own attitudes towards aging and compare them with the reality. Whether that means simply opening your eyes and looking at the older people around you, or reading my book, or going to, there's a website that I co-founded called the Old School Anti-Ageism Clearinghouse. Oldschool.info is the URL. Everything is free except the books. The more you know about aging, the less fear it holds. And I'm not making that up. I used to quote a study from AARP and the University of Southern California that I I know it by heart. Less fear about aging is associated with more knowledge of the aging process. So educate yourself, partly because our fears are so out of proportion, but also because these facts, they're not hard to find, but they are not at the top of the culture, but noodle around and you will learn, as you said at the beginning of this, how many of your conceptions are not fact-based. That is, along with getting off the couch, 
which is not my forte either, that is very good for your health. There are all sorts of studies that show that attitudes towards aging affect the way our minds and bodies function at the cellular level. So do it. You don't have to want to be an, an activist. You don't have to want to go to the barricades, but do it for your own health. And a movement needs a million voices. You are advancing the movement by starting a podcast. Someone else could advance the movement just by not buying horrible birthday cards that say disgusting things about older people. Someone else could do it by speaking out when someone calls them sweetie or dearie or young lady. Just say, what do you mean by that? Right. And let that uncomfortable silence sit there because ageism still goes largely unremarked. And it's going to take all of us little actions and big actions by all of us to change the culture. I'm confident that we will, because there are so many of us. And when I say us, I'm very close to the same age as you. And the baby boomer generation, there are so many of us that if we start waking us all up to how we think about ourselves, and then that begins to trickle down through all of the people around us, our families, how our grandchildren even interact with us. It's not dear old granny. My grandchildren don't consider me the Mrs. Walton with the rocking chair. They're like, what is she going to do next? But I have to say, it's also okay to sit in the rocking chair. I think it's, it's very easy. And, and I don't mean to jump on you, Isabel, but a lot of people drink the first slug of the Kool-Aid, go, oh, it's going to be better than I thought. I'm not going to fall apart and get wrinkles and it's not all going to go to hell. But we can't stop the clock. We shouldn't aspire to stop the clock. We live in such a materially oriented, competitive, hyper-capitalist society that it's easy for the pendulum to swing the other way and think, oh, I'm going to do aging right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat kale. I'm going to work hard to look and move like a younger version of myself. And that's another trap. I don't feel challenged by you. In fact, I feel inspired by you. And I'm glad that you're clarifying that because it isn't for me about being a younger version of myself, because I don't want to give away any of me. There you go. I worked really hard to become this me today. How I do the next one third of my first century should be my way, my style. It's my turn to, I don't have to conform to anybody else's idea of what it should be. I should choose it to be my way. And that's what I like to encourage others that when I talk to them about it is you get to write the script. You get to write the script based on who you have evolved to, to be, what your strengths are, what your life experience is, what your tacit knowledge, accumulated knowledge is. So exciting to me that we can continue to learn until the day the lights go out. And I like to point out that no matter how scared they are, I've never found anyone who actually wants to be younger. For me, I, I think about like becoming a teenager. No, thank you. I would rather roll naked over coals um, till eternity. But in the more abstract sense, we know that our years are what make us us. 
no one actually wants to return to wipe the slate clean and start again. Oh, gosh, hell no. To go through that agony, the growing pains of life over and over again, that would be hell. But to be able to build on the platform of, okay, I know this now, and that I can continue to add to that is to me the definite advantage that we have over who we might have been when we were 25 or 45, right? I love the fact that you put it out there for us all to really talk about that there's a lot of stuff that we know how to do so much better and so much more confidently and intimately and sexually and relationshiply, all the lees now because of the experience that we've had in our lives. I love the fact that you opened it up out there. Just because we have silver hair doesn't mean we don't have sex. For goodness sakes, right? I'm getting it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine has just been ultra lightened to cover that. but, But I personally like this. It's fun for me at this time of my life to play with the style about who I feel like I am right now. Not because I'm trying to be a version of somebody on Instagram, uh uh-uh, but who I look at in the mirror and go, I like you. It's good for you. It's hard work because culture fills us with messages that we're not enough, that we don't conform to an imagined norm. Right. For the last 10 years, I have been through a lot of knot holes. I did the early retirement I sold my eight-figure business and I thought, boy, I was on top of the world until I woke up one morning and went, who am I? And who is this body? And what's going on around here? It took me a long time to get to the stage of going, I'm who I exactly (laughs) are intended to be. And there's a lot of baggage that I'm not bringing forward with me that has been sold to me over the decades of, well, this is what, when you're 65 years old, you put that sweater on your shoulders, do that little flip with the sleeves and get in the golf cart and ride around. Women are never the right age and sexualized very young and then ushered over the hill two decades later, I want to bring up the fact that consciousness raising is the tool that catalyzed the women's movement. Yes. What happened was that women came together in a safe space before we knew to call them safe space. I think the phrase was what's said in the room stays in the room, women only, and compared notes and realized that what they had been thinking of as personal problems or failings or obstacles were actually widely shared issues, not getting hired, getting harassed, not having enough voice in their marriage or in their professional lives. And these were issues that we could and needed to come together and do something about. And that's very empowering. And with my colleagues at Old School, we, I created a while ago in the beginning, before Old School even existed, a guide to starting a consciousness racing group around age bias called Who Me? Ageist. And you'll probably put the links out with your podcast. But again, it's oldschool.info, search consciousness, you'll find it. 
We are about to launch in September a guide called Ageist, Sexist, Who Me, which is a guide to the intersection of ageism and sexism, what it looks like between our ears in the world and how we can become more aware of it and understand the forces at work here. So if you are feeling ambitious, bring some friends together and talk about this stuff. Ideally, women of all ages, because age segregation does us no favors. I think it's easy for us older women to forget how hard it is to be young and to be ungenerous. Younger women who are friends with powerful older women who are comfortable in our own skins get a very wonderful lesson in how their fears of getting older are out of proportion and friendships form across age groups. And that's only good. This is exactly what the experience was for me in writing my book, publishing my book and sharing my story with the world. The most common response was, oh my goddess, I thought it was just me. Exactly. And we were all living in these little silos, thinking everything that's wrong, it's just me. Everybody else has got it figured out. They are better at this. They've got more under control, et cetera, et cetera. So defeating the imposter syndrome, or at least slaying it for a while. Putting it down. It comes back. That's the imposter syndrome is a grim reaper in disguise. Having these conversations in safe places, in environments with commonality is exactly the recipe, right? The recipe is different for each of us, but those are fundamentals of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our solutions are different, but the fundamentals are shared. But in those conversations, different solutions come out and they can inspire ideas for each of us. I love when you get a room of women together and you start talking about these common issues. Usually there's a reluctance at the beginning to admit, yeah, me too. Like who wants to say I pee when I laugh, right? But once they get talking about it, And then it becomes more and more where they are connected by their experience and by their doubts, by the, wait a minute, couldn't we do this a better way? I love that. I expected the readers of my book to be women more like me in their late 50s, early 60s, 70s. But in fact, my granddaughters read the book and said, This is what we need. We need to be able to talk with other women and find safe spaces to inspire and lift each other and change the isms that should be changed. So thank you for that. You have also another platform, Yo is the Sagest. Well, I was talking about it, this was many years ago, with a friend, and we were having some drinks together, and she, she ended up texting me, and emailing me in the morning and saying, well, I got home and was uh, a little drunk, and so I set up the site for you, because I pr- probably never have gotten it together to do myself. It is a blog called Yo Is This Ageist, modeled on a wonderful pre-existing site called Yo Is This Racist, 
with permission and it is a Q&A format. So people send in photographs. Someone this morning sent me a cartoon. They might write, describe an incident that happened. They might send a link to an article or an advertisement. And I pass judgment, I hope wittily and I hope accurately, although it's always subjective, of course, to whether the thing in fact is ageist. Because ageism is a new concept to a lot of people. The minute you say, well, ages to ageism as race is to racism, people get it, but it is not something we talk about as much. So we need help recognizing it when we come across it. I mean, a very basic litmus test is that if a similar comment or cartoon or whatever on that basis of what you look like, who you sleep with, what ethnicity you are, if it wouldn't pass muster, then a similar comment on the basis of age is no more acceptable. I saw the cartoon today with the grandma pants. Yeah. And I thought, oh, no, you know, there we go. There we go. Every woman over 60 is wearing sensible shoes and baggy pants, and she's carrying a tissue in her bra and mints in her pocket. Hard candy. Yes. Although my grandmother did carry peppermints all the time. <laughs> she called them the pill. When I was sad, she'd say, here, honey, have a pill. Does it work? Okay. Yes. And I feel I said something very ageist. When I said, I don't want to be the person with the sweater on my shoulders and the golf cart, because damn, there's some really great golfers out there. And that doesn't mean that every woman who golfs when she retires doesn't do a million other things. I have to watch myself for, I mean, I'm learning to be less judgmental in general, but it is hard for me because I love to work and I'm lucky that I have managed to find work that is fulfilling to me. But to me, the idea of being, which changes everything, right? If I had a job I didn't like, or if I got laid off and couldn't find a new job, I wouldn't have any choice about it, but I do. And the thought of living a life entirely of leisure is hard for me to imagine. And I have to watch myself first thinking, gee, you know, what's wrong with you? But, you know, if you are lucky enough to have the choice and have enough money to not have to work, and that is fulfilling, more power to you. Absolutely. Whatever it is that works for you, and that you have consciously, and I like the emphasis on being conscious that you raised, consciously chosen, this is the legacy that I want to live right now. That doesn't mean we can't change it whenever we are so inspired to do so. Not to just accept what somebody else tells you, but to choose of your own what you want to do. And if that's to be the best grandmother in the world, or the best bridge player in the world, or to become an astronaut, whatever you want. And we're so privileged in our society to have these opportunities. And I don't think that any of us should be denied the opportunity to do what we want to do and capable of doing. So thank you for leading that charge. I'm looking forward to following in your trajectory, learning more. 
getting better. You're not following in mine. You're making your own. Well, I, you know, there's a little, like there's a little stardust that you sprinkled out there and I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the wake. So that's great. All right. Anything else that you would like to add today? No, I hope that people are inspired to question the mainstream narrative and think whose interest it serves. I mean, women are leading the movement against ageism, unsurprisingly. Uh, We certainly have the most at stake, and I think we're braver. So, you know, find whatever way in appeals and works for you. Why do you feel that women are leading the charge? Because we face the intersection of ageism and sexism. And if we're women of color, add racism to it. If we have a disability, add ableism to it, right? Right. Susan Sontag called it the double standard of aging, that aging enhances men up to a point and diminishes women. We live in a patriarchy, which means that men have more power and like holding on to it. So if it furthers the interest of men in power in which women do not have as much voice and autonomy and lose it very, very fast after some point in midlife, that doesn't serve us well. No, doing our best, doing well enables us to do good for others. So let's be out in front on that. I, of course, am going to include in the show notes your bio and your platforms and where everybody can follow and and do their part to change all of this in a positive way. But before I bid you adieu, I like to ask my guests to share something about themselves that we probably can't find on Google. I tried to come up with a clever answer to this, but failed. I don't like to cook. I like to garden. I have a very dark sense of humor. Mm, I think that might come through on Google. Well, thank you. We'll imagine you in your garden growing vegetables and giving them to the. I wish I had room for vegetables. I live in Brooklyn, so it is a, a small and shady garden, but I make the most of it and it gives me great pleasure. Well, I'm glad you are growing good things everywhere. Thank you very much, Ashton. I am very grateful you have done so much lifting and climbing in your life. You're an incredibly wonderful role model for everyone. Thank you. And keep up your own important work. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Right. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope our conversation added value to your day and expanded your vision for your legacy and impact. Please join me in increasing my impact and expanding my reach to more people by sharing this episode on social media or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. To catch all of the latest from me, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me and others in my community Facebook group, the Lift As You Climb movement, where you can engage, be inspired by, and grow with a tribe of like-minded people. As I evolve as a podcaster and a spokeswoman for collaboration and economic empowerment, your input and feedback are especially important to me. I welcome your suggestions and questions to hello at theencorecatalyst.com. 
Until we meet again, please remember that your success may be the foundation to someone else's. Together, we can raise success ladders around the world. Thank you.